This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Well, welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, uh, hosting today alongside with me is Jared Pickney from Paragold, Arkansas. Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing real well, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm just living the the dream. You I really guess. are living the dream, man. Actually, my wife just texted me a picture of the side of our minivan with what looks like bullet holes on it. <laughs> and scratches all over the place. What? So should you be on this podcast right now? Well, she said she just like walked up to the car and was like, "Look what I just saw on our car." <laughs> and we have no idea when it happened, but yeah, it looks like fake bullet holes. I don't know, but living a LA dream, basically. Man, it sounds like it. Wish I was there. Totally. So we have had a like a shattered windshield. And then a shattered back windshield. And then now we have these scratches on our car. And we've lived here for 10 weeks. So, yeah, living the dream. Wow. Well, thanks for letting us into into the reality of LA. (laughs) No problem. No problem. Uh, Everything good in Paragold? What's it like there? Man, it's really hot. But I was just checking the forecast, and it's going to be uh, starting on uh, the later part of the week. It's going to be in the mid-70s, so I'm super pumped about that. Uh, We have a big parenting conference coming up in our church, and so we have uh, Mark and Jan Foreman, parents of Switchfoot guys, uh, John and Tim Foreman. They're coming in this weekend, so we're excited about getting to hang with them and learn about how to parent our children well. So anyways, yeah, thanks for asking. Things are hot, but going well. If your kids don't become rock stars. Seriously, man. The parenting conference was all wrong. <laughs> you all messed it up. That's what I've told our staff. So we, we've already <laughs> set the bar pretty high. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about missional communities that fail. Uh, so this is just a brunt reality of the situation that hopefully is not a discouragement to me people but not every missional community is going to live forever and some will actually fail uh in the sense that they they might get off track with even the gospel or lose momentum in mission or you know communities people sort of uh disintegrate and people go into other communities and that's totally actually okay uh i actually had the nickname in Portland as uh, Dr. Kevorkian on our elder team when it came to missional communities because we would talk through them and I'd say, yeah, I think we need to put this one down. And they just, they started calling me that. But the reason I say that's okay is because we actually see that throughout. Like Paul failed uh, as much as he succeeded in the New Testament. And so the goal of this episode is not to make sure that you're missional community makes it at all costs, but really to help you become aware of some of the the common pitfalls that lead to missional communities ending. And likewise, you can kind of hopefully learn what's happened when missional communities fail and kind of grow and learn from that. Uh, so even if, if you know, you're listening to this podcast in a season where everything is totally going well, uh, or if you're a leader of a church and your missional communities are going well, you know, we hope that this can be an encouragement about focusing on the right things so that you're giving your leaders and your communities the best possible 
uh, scenario to succeed. Mm. Or if you're listening to this podcast and you're just very discouraged and you're kind of thinking like, man, I don't know what that was in last, that last season of life, like that this community didn't thrive. I suck. My people suck. The people around me are terrible. Something like that. Hopefully this can just be an encouragement for you to sort of listen and catch fresh vision from the Holy Spirit and and have another attempt, another go at it, knowing that it's okay that missional communities fail. And and I guess one thing we should say on the outset, Jared, is that failure would be to not grow in the gospel mm-hmm. through the process. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I love about seeing new people start new communities, new leaders doing that is it almost always works in shaping them as disciples, mm-hmm. even when the communities cease to exist. They grow up in their dependence in the spirit. They grow up in their dependence on joy in the gospel and they learn how to suffer and learn in conflict and, and, and God uses those are, you know, stumbling or failing forward to really refine us and teach us. And so, yeah, I'm excited about this topic. Yeah. With that being said, uh, Jared, you've had five plus years leading a church that you planted based on missional communities. I've been leading missional communities and churches for the last eight years. And so we've made a nice list of the top seven Mm -hmm. reasons missional communities die. Yeah. Let's just go through the list. Jared, you go first, and then we'll just kind of take turns until we get to the perfect number seven. Sounds great, yeah. And if it is seven, then you know it's legit. So, (laughs) well, by far, I would say the number one reason that MCs don't make it is because MC leaders are not necessarily abiding in the vine. And so, in John 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing And yet there are some MC leaders that attempt to try to do mission impossible, which is to make disciples who make disciples in Mm -hmm. their own power. And that's always a recipe for disaster. I mean, no matter how charismatic a leader is or how well they get Mm -hmm. the vision. I mean, if you're not abiding in the vine, if you're not personally walking with Jesus and enjoying Jesus and your leadership, just like have any power to it. No leader starts out withered at least that I'm aware of. And like, I think this is just a warning by the way to all of us, including myself, mm-hmm. like hopefully all of us sign up to lead a missional community or to make disciples because Jesus has saved us and, and he's brought us into a relationship with himself. And then our, our goal is like, man, our lives have been changed and now we want other people to experience the good news of the gospel. But what happens is mm-hmm. because life gets so insanely busy Sometimes we neglect the main thing, which is to be with Jesus. You know, I would say this is by far the the biggest problem. As leaders mm-hmm. begin to wither, MCs, I think, begin to wither. Mm-hmm. I would just say for pastors and leaders to to multiply other leaders, one of the things that's going to be more frustrating is just the reality of you can pour into another leader. You can do whatever you can to try to train them, but you, you cannot – yourself transform their heart. You have little control yeah. over if that person really will want to abide in the vine and walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage you, if you're listening to this, first off, take responsibility for your own relationship with Jesus. Nobody mm-hmm. else is going to give that to you really. So make sure you right. take responsibility for it. And then when you seek to multiply out other leaders, man, encourage that leader more than anything mm-hmm. to abide in the vine, to walk with, with yeah. Jesus, to make sure this is the number one priority. Mm-hmm. As the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a horse drink. So, you know, same is true here. You can't make, 
you know, the gospel take root in someone's heart, but you can absolutely hold it out for leaders constantly and continue to preach mm-hmm. the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, point to Jesus, lift up Jesus. And so continue to take the leaders back to the importance of practicing the presence of God, finding their joy in Christ. And at the end of the day, though, you've just got to know that, that it's going to be the leader if they decide to do that. And if they decide not to no. abide in the vine, again, it doesn't matter what other training they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this isn't a priority for MC leaders, eventually the MC is going to going to end up dying off. So right. I think we both believe Brad is, is one of the number one reasons why if MC is going to fail, that most certainly will help bring it down. Yeah, I completely agree. It seems like when things get really hard or busy, the first thing leaders and then communities cut out is just the joy and enjoying the fruit of the gospel that we be, get to be called sons and daughters of God because of God's great love for us that we have uh the holy spirit and we just kind of lose sight of that joy and then it quickly becomes just kind of rote memory or just pull yourself up and do it and like cringe and try to change people and then like you said eventually uh, there's no life in that and i think the human soul knows eventually to cut off the things that Mm -hmm. aren't life-giving and that are have become some sort of weird religious activity instead of yeah a life source so completely completely yeah. agree as i would just want yeah. to add this too if i can real quick brad like because I, I just actually turned to john 15 in my bible and i have these notes in here and i don't even remember where i got them from but basically ways to know that you're not abiding the vine like some things to look for and hmm. um like here's just something that it says that the what replaces the why so what you're doing begins to be more the focus than hmm. why you're even doing it to start with does that make sense which hopefully is all about Jesus comparing replaces Mm. contentment, pride Mm. replaces humility, pleasing people replaces pleasing God, fear replaces Mm. faith and apathy will replace passion. So when you see those things begin to take place, slow down, center yourself on the gospel, right? So yoke yourself up Mm. to Jesus, walk with him. Man, that's good. Yeah. And that just makes me think that, a common question we need to be asking one another if you're a leader or even just within the culture of a church made up of missional communities or communities on mission or whatever you call them would be to regularly ask one another, hey, how are you abiding in Christ or, or how are you you know, receiving life from your walk with Jesus That's these good. days? Which is very different than I think a lot of the the symptoms that you just pointed out sort of come out in the questions that we ask one another, like, hey, what are you guys doing? Um, how is how is it going with your doing? Yeah. Not, man, how is it to like walk with Jesus? Yes. I don't know why, but I had a friend come into town. Well, I know my friend came into town to visit me, but I don't know why whenever we were hanging out, you know, I was just kind of struck by in our conversation, like, man, Jesus is so good to both mm-hmm. of us. And I don't know, I just think it's it's cool when we stop and we reflect that to one another like the jesus is actually really good we miss that too often uh so yeah that's a big reason yeah another symptom of that is just be like communities get together for months and don't talk about jesus absolutely that's kind of a symptom that you've lost that but you talk about your schedules your calendars and problems to solve uh the the second big reason would be missional community leaders underestimate the time and the intentionality it takes to make disciples we think that 
maybe discipleship is just a super highway or a sprint or an amazing event that can happen, but it's actually a crawl. Uh, it's a crawl through lots of really messy stuff. And it's, I think it's important to just think about the time and the investment that Jesus made in the disciples, you know, multiple years of day in, day out, thousands and thousands of hours with men and women. And yet for many people, stepping into missional community leadership, they just sort of expect to jump into a group of some pretty close, close to perfect mm. people that are going to have just such a wonderful hunger and passion for Jesus. Or, you know, as Eugene Peterson called them, Green Beret <laughs> Christians, you know, like the elite special forces, like that's, that's who's going to join our community. But that's not only is that not often the reality, I've never right. experienced that. Even when I've started a community and I've thought, man, these people are awesome. I think the the lifespan of that these people are awesome is about three months before you realize they're just better at covering it up <laughs> than the other people. All that to say is like discipleship is messy because you're in each other's lives. Uh, you're you're attempting to grow with actual care and love for one another, not just love on paper, but love in life. And that would require confronting one another, building trust building like actual genuine affection for one another and for the people that you're sent to make mission. Right. And so that just all is more than, you know, a six or 10 week curriculum. And I think leaders often underestimate that time. They think, oh, well, I can go and start a community, walk through this Bible study or this curriculum. And 10 hours later, we're going to be a perfect missional community. But it actually requires a lot of like sending people text messages like, hey, I was praying for you. How's this going? Yeah. Because I remembered you shared something about that. It requires that intentional pursuit of people like, hey, when are, you know, our family's going to get together to have dinner and just kind of be or when are we going to hang out as a group and have fun or um, the the sort of space to say, oh, this family, you know, their car got broken into or whatever. Let's go bless them in some other way. It actually requires time and intentionality and focus to be in this sort of life and sort of shape a culture like that. And so I think, you know, a way to kind of prevent this is to train leaders in how to make disciples, mm -hmm. let them experience it, let them see it, make sure that it knows a long time. It takes a long time to make disciples who then can make more disciples and to give people that expectation and even that vision and that to me, it's a hopeful vision of imagine investing in people for the next three years and then seeing what they would do over the course of their lifetime. Uh, not what, what are they going to do and how are they going to participate in the kingdom over the next three years? But imagine what God might lead them to do over the course of the next 60 years. Mm -hmm. I think is really helpful mm. to people to realize that that the gains and the fruits shouldn't be measured in our months and our weeks, but should be measured in lifetimes. That's really good. Yeah, I think just alongside what you're saying with point number two, a thought that came to mind as you were talking was make sure that you are, are clear with people on what the wins are. And so especially in mm -hmm. our context in the religious South, if you're listening to this and you're in the South, the win is uh, heaven's gates, hell's flames, where somebody comes in with the like <laughs> revival context and 300 people come to know, or at least, you know, make a profession of faith. And so discipleship, mm -hmm. man, sometimes it feels like it's so ineffective. Nothing good is happening here. And you've got to learn mm -hmm. to, to celebrate 
um, show people what to celebrate in discipleship because it certainly looks different than overnight. Someone prayed a prayer, got a big buzz, mm-hmm. you know, spiritual buzz, and, and now we're on our way. So it certainly takes time. And I would say, yeah, if you go into launching a missional community and you underestimate how much time it takes, you'll get discouraged. And, and that's one of the reasons certainly it fails. And so mm-hmm. uh, number three is what we have on our list is not having a clear missional focus. We've had groups before, I don't know about you guys, Brad, but we've had groups before that have started with the right intentions, I think, but for different reasons. The leader either had a hard time casting a clear missional focus and calling people to it, or maybe they started and, and uh, the mission just looked different. They didn't know how to adjust. And, and you know, for whatever reason, um, the group stopped actually like trying to reach out beyond the group and trying to bless the city and seeking to try mm-hmm. to make disciples. Yeah. And they still would come together and talk about making disciples and they would come together and talk about right. living as missionaries. And they'd come together and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. But mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. And actually, sometimes um, none at all. And as a result, from our experience here, right. what's happened is it when a missional community is not seeking to reach out, if they're, if they're not seeking to pour out mm-hmm. what they're learning and, and to share and to act on, then eventually the MC just becomes ingrown and infected and eventually uh, will die. So I think the number three thing, um, the reason we both come up with that is we've seen evidences of this in in different missional communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because eventually it just becomes like, what's the point? And yeah, it really can deteriorate quite quickly. And eventually someone will kind of speak up and say, so we're not doing the mission thing anymore. Can we spend more time talking about mm-hmm. ourselves and let's just name it, you know? And I would say that's probably one of the very quick signs. That's kind of how I got the name <laughs> Dr. Kevorkian. Uh, because that's one of the the clear like indicators, even of the first two things that we just talked about. So really, I guess you could break this list into the first two are kind of the primary reasons. And then these last things kind of are evidence that the leaders are not abiding in Christ and they're you know, there's a total underestimating of how much time it'll take. It's similar with, you know, losing the missional focus usually happens when people say, oh man, I thought that we would meet with, you know, this family and two months later, they'd all be Christians. We've actually realized that this family has a life. And so us connecting to them, it it like just takes all this time. And, and I don't know if they'll become Christians, you know, next month or next year. So maybe we should stop. I think is one of the reasons people lose that missional focus because they forget that, oh, it's probably going to take like years of investment or it could. Absolutely. And I would just say for those, by the way, that are struggling with finding a clear mission of focus, if you're listening, you're like, well, how do we make sure that we do that well? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what what it was titled, Brad, but... Yeah, so last episode we talked about how to get on missional focus. And I also don't remember what we titled it. Uh, but it's great. It's a great podcast. Oh, that's awesome. uh, but that is, that's true. So just whatever, if you're listening, it's the one before this one. And also, uh, Todd Moore just wrote a really helpful resource. It's like five questions that just make it super like clear, but also winsome on this is how you walk in it. It's called Five Essentials for effective mission or something like that. 
go on the Saturate website, plug in missional focus, and, and that will pop up, which can be a great tool for you. If you're kind of losing steam, it's a good like refocus kind of resource. Yeah, that brings us to number four, uh, just to keep moving along here. Uh, missional communities that, that cease to exist or fail or die have often forgotten the needs of those in the MC. So this is kind of the, the opposite of the last one. Uh, but in this missional community, they're so focused on the mission itself that they forget about caring for one another. People eventually feel like they're cogs in the, the wheel. Uh, they, f- they begin to feel like the Christian life is a calendar of activities instead of a people that they get to grow and loving one another. Well, uh, you know, symptoms of this too, are, are people begin to hide their sins and their conflict so that they can, you know, keep being effective, so to speak on mission. Yeah. I can remember one time we were in a missional community where it was like months after this, this couple had been in our community, we had done all these activities together. And then we found out that they'd been sleeping like on the floor for a while. And that's just like super strange. And so we bought them a futon and stuff like that. But it was really interesting that we had been in a community for such a while with them, like walking through the story of God, stuff like that. And we didn't even know that they were sleeping on the floor and didn't have any furniture in their apartment. Mm. And it was really kind of a, a confrontation for me to begin asking regularly as we our communities get together, like, hey, what are the needs of us in the family? Like, what are we struggling with? Mm. Let's do that right now before we try to give away out of the emptiness of our hearts or, or what burdens or struggles are we carrying? Let's also not neglect to care for one another and point each other mm. each other to Christ. So yeah, that, that, that can be a very big one because that kind of deteriorates the forgetting to care for one another uh, de- deteriorates a, a huge part of it which is a community uh that's the we're on mission but we're also a community and we're, we're trying to care for one another as we make disciples together good just moving on i'd say number five and this is a big one as well leaders that launch without healthy healthy disciples around them this is a big cause for why I would say missional communities fail. If a leader launches a missional community, I would say without at least one to two other couples who can come around mm-hmm. them and offer them good gospel encouragement and support in the mission, it is just a matter of time from our experience that the leaders eventually begin to grow incredibly lonely and incredibly weary. Mm-hmm. And so no matter who the MC leaders are or how they're built or what their personalities are like, um, I would say every MC leader, right? Husband, wife, whatever. They they need some healthy disciples mm-hmm. around them to ensure that they're being mutually built up in the faith and aren't doing everything by themselves, which I know leads to the sixth one. Brad, if you want to talk about it. The sixth that. one is leaders are trying to do it all, all by themselves, uh, meaning they're trying to, to schedule and host and plan and prepare and discuss and do child. They're trying to do it all by themselves. And yeah, I think you and I have both had many meetings with leaders who come to us and say that they're very overwhelmed. They can't possibly find the time to lead a missional community. But then as you dig deeper, you kind of discover that the problem isn't so much leading a missional community like we talked about a few episodes ago. The problem is really that as leaders, they have no idea how to delegate the common responsibilities. And so they're really trying to juggle it all. And it is overwhelming and it is too much for someone to do. Uh, Nobody has the capacity to organize 
and fulfill all of the things that's required to be a community and to be a community on mission. And people shouldn't try to do that at all themselves either. And so a lot of times though, that does, you know, leaders end up being uh, really tired and really hungry and feeling completely alone. And and that's something that uh, even a couple weekends ago, we had a training here in LA for our leaders and, and I got super serious. I don't know why. And I like went around the room and looked everyone in the eye and I told them like, there's no reason anyone here should ever feel alone as they're leading. And if you're beginning to feel that sort of aloneness, and then if you hear, oh, well, that's what leadership is. You feel alone. You know, it's lonely at the top. That's just straight alive from the devil. And I think that when we're doing it all on ourselves, it's our achiever, our accomplishment stuff. We're also trying to make sure that nobody else is burdened and we come up with the excuses of why other people can't help. And and basically, like, you're building yourself to be the hero for all these people's lives. In the near term, it might work out really well and people love it. They call the group by your name. They're like, this is Brad's group. It's so great. Brad and Marilla have the best meals and their house is so awesome. But eventually it all falls apart because you break down and you don't have anything to give at all. And so a lot of communities end up failing because uh, the leaders have burned themselves out. So good. And just to round out our list of why MCs fail, uh, the number seven reason that we come up with on why some missional communities don't make it is straight up leaders just don't receive the training on an ongoing coaching that they need. So for us at Fellowship, what we try to do is we try to make sure that every potential missional community leader is apprenticing under a current missional community leader for around a year or so. Um, it's different for each person, but we want to make sure that every leader before they actually lead an MC is in a environment where they can see how an MC is mm-hmm. led. And so, you know, we, we kind of adopted, I don't know who first came up with this language, but it's the idea of, you know, if you're an apprentice, mm-hmm. you're in a relationship with the leader where it's, you know, I do, you watch, mm-hmm. right? I do, you help. You do, I help, you do, I watch and cheer you on, right, and and keep coaching you. And so that's kind of the approach that we take with the MC leader. And so once an MC leader feels that their apprentice is ready to go lead and they have other a community of other people around them and a mission, they send them out. And from there, the elders of the church come alongside and we continue ongoing coaching with our missional community mm-hmm. leaders. And so I'm a little bit more strategic in my thinking. And so my Coaching is typically hands related. It's a lot of the practical stuff in leadership. And then our uh, one of our other elders, um, Adam, who's full time here, he is more of kind of a shepherding gifting. And uh, so he's going to focus a lot on their their hearts whenever he meets with them. And so we're going to meet with them every single month uh, for lunch. We put that in our church budget. Where again, I'm working on the practical leadership stuff of leading an MC. Adam's working on the heart leadership stuff, maybe their marital issues or anything around the Enneagram, which we've done a podcast on here, all that kind of good stuff. Just to try to make sure the leaders are holistically healthy so they can get in and reproduce uh, more healthy uh, leaders. Hmm. So, yeah, that's good. And uh, that's number seven, right? We finished our master list. We finished, man. You know, I, would, I guess the only thing I would add. Yeah, even to that seventh one real fast or, or with all of it is just the need for people to have ongoing relational connection and care from the pastors and the leaders of their church to receive that 
um, not, hey, what have you been doing for me lately? Or even the like, hey, what's the depths of your sin? But just the like relational stuff that that should happen just kind of in the flow of life and not like you're best friends with every uh, leader in your church, but just that there's, yeah, just ongoing laughter, ongoing friendship that can happen. Absolutely. The stuff that you can't put in a system. And for pastors and leaders, you just have to be open for that and even pursuing that, that uh, you can be friends with people, whether it's going to watch a Monday night football game sometime or just, yeah, the the random text messages too about uh, about whatever it is, even if it's just something funny that, that you saw and you knew a leader would think would be funny too. Absolutely. Your leader or pastor, just feel that freedom to be fun and not just always uh, on task. That in the end, I think, becomes like a cold fresh glass of water for leaders more than our trainings do so absolutely that's a great word man very good that's our seven jared a lot of them seem pretty leadership focused anything else you would add just to in your experience on how to prepare people or or send them out for leaders i mean i think we summed up what i want to say fairly well one thing i would just add is that i think that it is important to realize the health of a missional community rises and falls on leadership in many ways. And so this is why more than with small groups or Sunday school classes or anything, it's why we think like a podcast like mm-hmm. this is important, right? Because we think it's incredibly important for churches to be intentional about developing healthy leaders of missional communities. And so I would encourage you, if you're a missional community leader or you're a pastor in some way, and take this stuff seriously. The development of your MC leader, mm-hmm. it matters. I think it's one of the most important things that you can give your time to. Yeah, just remember, it's absolutely necessary. If you're going to raise up new healthy leaders, you're going to make disciples who make more disciples and therefore launch new missional communities that launch new missional communities. So through the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be made known to every man, woman, and child. You're going to have to be intentional in the development of your leaders and ongoing coaching. So that's just the only final word I'd want to, want to throw out there. Thanks, Jared. That is a good final word. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, and for listening in and uh, all the wonderful feedback that we've received. It's actually super encouraging to Jared every time we get a text or a, a tweet or an email from you guys about how this has been helpful or even ideas on on topics to discuss. So keep those coming. If you do find it helpful, you can review and rate us. Uh, on the iTunes or whatever, wherever you're listening to us, because that helps other people find us. And uh, you can also go and find great resources on the Saturate website on leadership, leadership development, put in those two keywords in the search, and uh, you should be good to go finding some stuff that could be really helpful in implementing some of the things that Jared and I talked about today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.